This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I want you to turn quickly in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It's one verse. I sent them verses. I guess it'll be on the screen. A very powerful verse. We had conversation yesterday, Pastor Tom, myself, Pastor Robert, and uh, Pastor Francis Miles, um, who is becoming a a dear friend, and I'm grateful to God for him. And we talked about some things yesterday, and then I got a bug in my ear about some things last night, and then I decided, okay, I will see what I can do to kind of bring a mixture and kind of bring my little flow into this meeting. Uh, I bring you greetings from Jacksonville, Florida, from the Potter's House International Ministries, and I'm grateful to God for all my Facebook friends and stuff that uh, hit me. God bless you. We love you. I can't answer all of you. I'm like, Tom, I don't get on there like that, but whenever I find a name I can't pronounce, I go, yep, they're from Zimbabwe. (laughs) So um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to share with you from the topic, I'm ready. What about you? Uh, Tell somebody, I'm ready. What about you? Father, you got to help me now. I pray that you would in the middle of this day, open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear what the Spirit is doing. So, Lord, I just pray that you would connect me with this people and people who are viewing online and people who are listening by other means of media. I pray that you would have your way. I thank you for my traveling companion. I thank you for Glenn Henderson, Father, being here with me to support me and to be with me. But more importantly, God, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now walk with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Heard Pastor Tom this morning talking about the wisdom and the wisdom that come from above. Some of you might remember the first time I came to Zimbabwe, you guys were walking in wisdom. And I shared a message, excuse me, I'm just walking in wisdom. Pastor Tom has meticulously outlined the 2018 word of the year, uh, the year to see his kingdom and to share his love. Robert Henderson opened our eyes to the spiritual dimension that we must all enter in and to discover in our walk with God. There is a dimension that is already available. It's a dimension like that room in your house where the door is closed. I know in America, I have a room, and many people, when they buy homes, they have a room, and they can't completely furnish every room when they first move into the house. So they throw junk in there, and they storage in there, and they let nobody go in there. And so when people visit the house, they visit the several rooms in the house, and they go, oh, you have a really nice house. But then after you clean out that room and, and are able to furnish it and you fix it up, It creates another dimension to the house. In other words, it was always there, yet you expanded your house without moving. In other words, there's a room, there is a place, 
in the house that was not being used. The same thing in our walk with God. There are dimensions that we haven't entered into yet. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to do anything different. It's always been right there. But we have to furnish it. We have to walk in it. With that said, God wants to fully furnish us. He wants to complete us, mature us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, For all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. When the word of God is our guide and the ultimate source of our authority, then we won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the sly of men who lie in wait with cunning crafty devices to deceive. You do know that these are perilous times, and I hope you're tracking with what's going on around the world. And we are living in a world right now of deception, strong delusion. I've tried to catch a little Christian television while I'm here in Zimbabwe, but it's hard. I thought it was bad in the United States. It's really bad here. False prophets abound. Lying signs and wonders abound. And Jesus said there would be many, many false teachers, many false prophets, even many false Christs. Jeremiah 14, 14 explains it for us. You can see it on the screen. It says, then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. That's a good place to say amen. But I, I guess, you know, we have to live and learn. But Pastor Tom just mentioned some of these things to you. The photo, uh, the, the iPad, touch the picture, and the picture, of the those types of things I'm talking about. It is the charge of the scriptures to try the spirits whether they be of God. It's the charge of the scriptures to judge the prophets. That the prophet speech in turn let the others sit by and judge what is being said. It's the charge of the scriptures to be discerning of the times in which we live. We need to discern the times. It is the charge of the scriptures to speak sound doctrine. And doctrine has become a dirty word in some circles. There's some circles you talk about doctrines, they talk about division, they talk about doctrine divides and all these type of things. Well, Paul said to Titus, we got to speak those things which become sound doctrine. Churches are being built on personalities and winds of doctrines that change like the seasons change. But we can't blame everything on the preachers. We can't. Isaiah says, here's what the problem is. Isaiah 30, verse 9. These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instructions. They say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. The people love it so. People don't want the truth. They turn from the truth. They run from the truth. People don't want a sure word of prophecy. No, thus saith the Lord. They say, tell us something we want to hear. Speak to us smooth things like my best life now. 
or I'll never be broke another day in my life. Or God loves me regardless. I'm going to heaven anyhow. All of these things people want to hear because of the rebelliousness and because of the stiff-neckedness, because of the waywardness and the untowardness of this generation. So people say, stop telling us about what the Lord wants from us. Stop bringing up God, preacher, while I'm trying to sin. And that's what I like about coming to um, uh, this conference in action every year because it's not a whole lot of smoke and mirrors. When you come here, I promise you, you go back better than what you were before you came. When you come here, you leave here and you're ready to go charge hell with a water pistol. When you leave here, you leave here full of the presence and the power of God. What we've heard this morning already is enough fuel, enough ammunition, is enough instruction and righteousness that you have become more complete than what you were before you came. No fluff, no nothing. I listened to Pastor Henry as he was ministering a little while ago and I was like, man, look at the grace of God on this man, a Zimbabwean uh, guy from the village who's just now in Ukraine. How do you do that? How does a black man go from Zimbabwe, go to Ukraine and do the work that he's doing? Man, a little bit of heaven has worked through his life and this man is glorifying God and there's something about him. I was just sitting there like, I like him. I, I came here for this. I came here for this impartation, for this impression. I came here to meet this kind of spirit. I came here to meet these kind of people. I came here to be with this kind of people. But I flip the television and I see a, a church is full of demon-possessed believers. Uh, Pastor Madonna just told us about two possessed prophets that needed deliverance. And I personally believe that light and darkness can't dwell in the same place. One has got to go. And I believe that when there's order in the church, I believe that when it's divine order, when there's a foundation, when there's truth, that uh, the devil and demons just stick out like a sore thumb. You won't have to go hunting for them. They'll manifest all right. But they manifest sometimes uh, ridiculously. And sometimes it's simply uh, for ratings and for money. I see manifestations that are so ungodly and obviously staged and they glorify the man dealing with it rather than the God who gave us the power to heal it. And so the false prophets, this is about to get good, are supplying exactly what the people want. I've come from Florida to let you know that now that we are heirs according to the promise, we don't have to follow Lines, signs, and wonders, or signs and wonders anymore, period. Signs and wonders should follow us. Yeah, now that we've entered into the promise, in the wilderness, they wouldn't move until they saw a sign or a wonder. They get over into the promised land, and now when they move, signs and wonders follow. And so that's where we are now. And Jesus said that these things shall follow them that believe. Matthew 24, 24, for the false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. He told us ahead of time that these things were going to happen. So I think Pastor Tom's instruction 
questions concerning the Holy Spirit's role in this year, the need of intimacy with God the Father this year, the year 5778, and the exercising of our governmental authority, us being peacemakers, reconciliation that's going to take place, and walking in our overcoming power. It's all good news for the people of God, not just for this year, but for the years to come. So you ought to stop right here, and you ought to thank God for a real seer, a real man of God, a true prophet, this apostolic governing center and his apostolic office because you're not without a word. There is no famine for the word of the Lord in this house. I need about 55 people to say amen. Oh, I wish I had some help. You ought to stop and thank God every now and then. Not just lift your hand and give God praise every so many hours, seven times a day. But when you think about how good God has been to you and where God has placed you and the fellowship that he's placed you in, you ought to just stop and just tell the Lord, thank you. Because you could be in a cult. You could be blinded. You could be out here serving false gods. So when I read the word of the Lord for this year, it spoke to me. And it should have spoken to all of you who read it and heard it and heard it preach. It's our responsibility as Christ's followers to stop having church is what I heard in it. And it's time for us to be the church. Uh, Pastor Henderson talked about uh, the ecclesia. It's time to be that ecclesia, those called out ones, that body of Christ. It's time to grow up. It's time to exercise your faith. It's time for you to lay hands on yourself. It's time for you to cast out devils yourself. It's time for you to tread on serpents yourself. Come on, it's time for you to do what you've been depending on other folk to do for you. Jesus trained his disciples for his absence. He knew the day would come when he would be gone. And greater works, you just heard it, than these shall you do. Because I go to be with the Father. How many of you are working right now towards becoming those people that will do greater works in the absence of your leaders? Greater works that when your leaders pass on and you're gone, especially this millennial generation and these young people, we're trying to equip you to be all that God has purposed you to be. Not what we want you to be, but what God has purposed you to be. To equip you for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It's our job not just to lead you but to equip you to do the work of the ministry. To equip you to be all that God has called you to be. To equip you so that you're able to go out here and say I am what I am by the grace of God but the grace of God is more than enough. God's power in my life will enable me to accomplish whatever it is he puts before me. There's no task too great that God will allow me to engage in. There's nothing that God will show me that he won't back me up in and help me accomplish. There's nothing, nothing that God cannot do. And don't let the devil tell you that you can't do it because his accusations in the courts of heaven are bogus when you know your legal rights. Matter of fact, he's an illegal alien right now. He has no right to be here. Everybody that's legally on this planet came through the womb of a woman, a mother. If the devil ain't got no mother, he ain't got no business being here. He's trespassing serve him notice subpoena him to court take him to court I come to tell y'all that the year 5778 gives us new beginning a fresh start what's forgiven 
is forgotten. I say to you today that you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Listen, Zimbabwe, this is our time. You couldn't have been born at any other time. You couldn't have ridden horse and buggy. You couldn't be back in the days of the cowboys and Indians. You were born for such a time as this. The ills, the problems, the struggles, the things that you see going on. God has equipped you to deal with these times. He's trusting you with these times. He's allowing you to glorify him in these times. He has a remnant. How many of y'all feel like you're part of the remnant of God, that last day army that he's raising up to glorify him? So you got to see this. I say to you, that you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this, meaning that it's all a setup. It's been a setup, Zimbabwe, from the beginning. Uh, colonialism set up, uh, revolution set up, the weakest economy in the world a set up. Governmental corruption is a set up. Soft coup is a set up. Coming elections a set up. Haven't you learned that nothing that God's people has faced in any time past could stop God from doing what He promised to His people that He would do for them? That if God starts something, that there's nothing that can stop it. That he that begun the work and you shall perform it until the coming of our Lord. The disciples thought that Jesus had failed when they killed Jesus on that cross. But it was a fixed fight. It was just set up. It was all prearranged. Everything was prearranged. It just looks bad. But don't operate by what you can see. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Acts chapter 2 verse 22. I'll show you how prearranged it was. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan his what prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles you nailed him to a cross and killed him but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grips y'all didn't hear me death couldn't hold him I made a note when Pastor Henry was teaching about death death knows the power of God because the power of God is what raised Jesus from the dead the grave couldn't hold him death couldn't keep him he slipped through the grips of death Jesus wasn't defeated he wasn't weak God had fixed the fight Judas it says was prearranged Pilate was prearranged Herod was prearranged Barnabas or Barabbas was prearranged the disciples defecting and was prearranged Peter cussing Peter denying Peter going back to fishing was prearranged. The cross was prearranged. The borrowed tomb prearranged. The resurrection prearranged. He knew it was going to happen. Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. It was prearranged. He knew as that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights that he would be in the belly of the earth. It was prearranged. It was spoken before time passed that he was going to have to die. He would suffer for our sins. He'd be bruised. He'd be chastened. He'd be the stripes would be placed on his back and all of that for us but he would get up on the third day and the power of death would be broken and 
God's raising up an army, a remnant church. And if you don't know, let me tell you right now that the early church was a radical countercultural force of people who transformed the hostile people, pagan places in which they live in the midst of the social, economical, and political, and moral, and heretical chaos that they faced in the first century. Jesus' response was to raise up an ecclesia, a church that became a revolutionary, transformational, life-giving force that turned the world upside down. And for the record, since the days of Jesus Christ here on earth, the church's single mandate has been the establishing of the kingdom of God in the earth. That is bringing heaven into earth. And I'm in total agreement with Pastor Tom. 5778 is the year breakthrough and double for your trouble. This is the year of breakthrough and double for your trouble. Everybody that has gone through for righteousness sake, everybody that's been persecuted because of your affinity and relationship with God, this is the year of double for your trouble. This is the year to exercise our governmental authority, the kingdom of God in earth. Matter of fact, of his government, the Bible says there is no end for the government shall be upon his shoulders. Christ came, he lived, he died. So God has and is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And what's in heaven is coming now to earth in a greater way than we've ever seen. But with this comes responsibility. And this is my message. Jesus said these words to his disciples years ago in Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word go there is from the New Testament word um, P-O-R-E-U-O-M-A-I. It's the next. It is to take a journey. It simply means to walk. There you see, to take a journey. To walk. So when you say go, it says take a journey. In other words, get to stepping. He said, get to stepping. I've given you power. Now get to stepping. Notice what Jesus does. He commissions them, thank you guys, not just to preach, but he tells them what they are supposed to preach. The gospel to every creature. Somebody say the gospel. Thank you, guys. The gospel to every creature. Remember the gospel? Remember that? It, it's, a good, it's, it's the good news that Jesus came, that he lived, he died, was buried, and rose again. The third day, according to the scriptures, that's the gospel. Remember the gospel? It, it's, it's far and in between. In, in, in most places, you flip on the television, and, and, and lost people are flipping and watching, and, and they see and hear everything but the gospel. And then Jesus came, lived, died, was buried, and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. People are flipping our televisions, and they're seeing demonstrations and manifestations, uh, lying signs and wonders, and, and they don't hear the gospel. It wasn't just go, but it's go and preach the gospel. You've got to know what to preach. In this hour in which we live, it's so important that we know what we're supposed to be preaching, what we're supposed to be teaching as you go and take your walk in God. You need to hear me today because everybody that's out here does not have the right message. This is a moment where we can now 
collect our thoughts and check and see if we have the right message. The gospel is still what's needed for men to be saved. If our commission and mission is to get men saved and to bring them into right relationship with God, then we need to know what we ought to be preaching when we take our walk. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew and also then to the Greek. Also for the preaching of the cross is to those that are perishing foolishness, but to those of us which are saved, it is the power of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? So the power of God is in the gospel in the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the hour we need to be talking about Jesus, preaching about Jesus, teaching about Jesus. It's the hour from our pulpits we need to put the attention back on Jesus and take it off the fleshly and unbiblical practices of men. You can't even get excited about that. You can't even shout me down on that. You can't even get up and run and throw money on that. When I say we need to get back to Jesus, we need to teach Jesus, we need to preach Jesus because there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but by that simple name of Jesus. I say simple but in that name is power. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Jesus is the center of attention. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the one we ought to be preaching and teaching about. Men and brethren, listen, I hope you came today to see Jesus. We want to hear from Jesus in this hour from our pulpits by all the creation is looking for the church to arise. Romans 8, 19 says, for the earnest expectation of the creation earnestly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, meaning in New, New Living Translation, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And the world is in a state of emergency and the world needs us to manifest. I traveled here through the shadows of terrorism, through the rumors of war, the uncertainty of international economy, through the prejudicial immigration laws and health care issues, new civil rights movements going on around the world, bad race relationships everywhere, universal systemic poverty, international crime, media wars, social media fighting, dissatisfaction with governmental control everywhere. Even in the United States, they're trying to make America great again by leaving out a segment of the society that had built America and made it what it is today. This is uh, right now trouble in the land. Religious and moral decline is amongst so many so-called Christian nations and these things plague the world but they also have a stronghold in our communities locally this is the year though that we do something about it what's happening in the world is trickling down and affecting even our homes our marriages our relationships with our co-workers and our, our laborers and co-laborers and educational people and the people that we're in school with this is the year that we do something about it here is the dilemma most if not all of the folk on the streets and who are lost think that the church is a building, a facility, a place where we go for help. They don't see the church as the people who come to them with the healing power of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Remember why he came. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was anointed for a specific purpose. Luke 4, 18 said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What if those who are poor and brokenhearted and captive and blind and oppressed saw us as their liberators and not their enemies? The enemy has done a great job of divide and conquer with the church. We're running to our little foxholes of our denominational preferences while we compete with each other as to who has the best preacher and the best teacher and the best music. He has us preaching salvation messages to people that are already saved while those who are we're sent to remain bound and captive at the devil's will. What people think the church is, is not the church. The church is not a building. The church is not some secret society. It's not a sorority or fraternity or a denomination. It's not even our church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's his church. It's his body. It's God's representation on earth. We are the salt and the light and need to preserve life and to give direction in this present darkness. It is the church's job to exert a powerful influence in every area of our culture. It's the church's job to go to hell before it physically goes to heaven. Jesus said the gates of hell, you've heard me tell you, shall not prevail against the church. Gates are defensive mechanisms designed to keep something out or to keep something in. The gates of hell shall not prevail. It's our job to take the kingdom where the gates of hell are and establish the rule of God. So gates are there, but we've got the keys to the gates. For Jesus went down into hell himself, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, gave us the keys, the authority. The devil's got your stuff behind his gates, but he doesn't even have the keys to his gates. You've got the key. All you got to do is get up and go take back everything that the devil has stolen from you. So before you go to heaven, you need to stop by hell. Tell somebody, go to hell. Go to hell and get your stuff back. Go to hell and demand what God has for you. Uh, stop being pious. Stop being religious. Don't look at me like that. I said, look at somebody and tell them it's time to go to hell. Oh, y'all. Y'all. We got to not forget that the church is a corporate entity. We must acknowledge that every local church has a corporate destiny. We can't be a bunch of spiritual swashbucklers. God uses the concept of synergy. He puts us together, causes every joint to supply, and, supply, and then dares hell to stop us. In other words, what's going on around you will not conquer you. Jesus paints the picture of the church as the aggressor. The times in which we live dictate militancy and aggressiveness. People who represent the body must possess the anointing. Your anointing determines your activity. God anoints us for the pathos, the stuff around us. Your anointing does not give you permission to go out on your own and just do what you want to do. We're an army. A lot of frustration would cease when people know they're not needed until they're needed. When you're synergetic and you come together, every joint supplies. When you need it, you need it. We got to learn how to do what we do when we're needed to do it. Case in point, people join the military. They're trained to fight. They're trained to shoot. They're trained to engage the enemy. But because they know what to do, they just can't go to the commander in charge when you get to the barracks and demand to do what you came into the military to do. 
In other words, you just can't take your gun and start shooting up everybody and trying to find the enemy amongst the friends. So with that said, your job is to just be ready and available when the commander needs you to do what you're trained to do. We're equipping you now for later. There's some things that you will do eventually. I'm preaching better than y'all looking at me. God has equipped us for the hour in which we now live. We're equipped for the times in which we now live for this purpose where we're born. But there's some things that are yet. So we have come into the kingdom, though, in closing, for such a time as this. This is our leg of the race to run. We have got to say to the enemy, not on our watch. Not on our watch. This mess out here is a job for the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Corruption in high places is no match for the church. An uncertain economy, no match for the church. Poverty, no match for the church. Sickness and disease, no match for the church. You know why? He died for that too. I don't care what you name. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what's happened. He died for that too. So my wife had a tumor in the center of her brain. It was eight centimeters. And she had gotten to a place to where she could only shuffle when she walked. She would fall asleep while standing. She was on the side of the road on a couple of occasions, just parked with a foot on the brake, sound asleep at the wheel. We didn't know what was wrong with her. We took her to the hospital. They said Alzheimer's. They said dementia. They said all kinds of stuff. They did a CAT scan, and they found a tumor in the center of her brain. They said, if this thing erupts or bleeds or does anything, in 15 minutes, your wife is dead. I had to take this news to my wife. When I took this news to my wife, in tears, screaming, saying, baby, in essence, you're going to die. When I took this news to my wife, my wife looks at me, and my wife says, we have the power of God. Now we know what it is that was causing these symptoms. What you need to do is get up off of the floor, take your hands, and lay them on me and let's agree that God will heal this tumor so that I can raise my grandkids and so that I can live my life for the glory of God the way God has designed it. I laid my hands on this woman. Two weeks later, the tumor was gone, still has no surgery, and she's better than she was before the tumor ever hit her. I'm trying to help y'all. Y'all not trying to help me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to help you now. So listen, then after that, just this past time, since y'all were here, since I was here last time, I want y'all to know that I'm a grandfather for the first time. I got my first grandbaby. First grandbaby for the first time. So I got my grandbaby's picture on my phone. It's my phone. I look at it every five minutes. My first grandson every five minutes. Look at it on my phone. But the baby was born three, almost three and a half weeks, er, months early, only weighed three pounds and had tubes everywhere in him. We couldn't figure out how my healthy daughter-in-law 
had a baby three months early when she did everything she was supposed to do. Well, after about three weeks of her being lethargic and not able to get around and we taking, for, uh, taking care of a three-pound baby for her, and she couldn't even touch the child or be near the child because she just wasn't feeling good and feverish, and they kept her away from the child. She went to the hospital four and a half months ago, and when she went to the hospital and had x-rays, she had cancer, tumors on every organ of her body, and tumors protruding from her neck in her body. You could see the tumors, and they were just covered. The medical doctor in the emergency room said, we just took x-rays, and your daughter-in-law or this woman has cancer throughout her body. Now, I have another picture here that her birthday was Sunday, and here it is five months later, and she has a picture of herself standing here with her birthday hat on, looking like a model, and the caption on the picture says, cancer-free. There is no cancer. Y'all not helping me here. I'm trying to tell you that his will could be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There is no death in heaven. As a matter of fact, there's no need for light in heaven because God illuminates heaven. Jesus is the light of the city and we are light right here on earth. So it's our responsibility to do this. As he is, so are we in this earth. So if the church stays inside of these four walls, hell has nothing to fear. But when we become compassionate for the lost and the world around us and when we live our lives for the glory of God, we can change our world. Jesus would move with compassion and we need the compassion of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, the ears of Jesus, the mind of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. I'm ready. What about you? I'm ready to do whatever it is that God has called me to do. I came to action to not participate. I came into action this year to sit there like some of you sit there to be fueled like some of you are being fueled so that I can go back to Jacksonville, Florida better than what I was before I came. I don't know about y'all. I'm ready. What about you? How many of you right now, before the rest of action is even over, you're ready to say, hey, wait a minute. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I believe God has called me to do what he's called me to do. I believe I'm going to see the glory of God in the land of the living. I'm going to get my healing. I'm going to get my deliverance. I'm going to get my breakthrough. I'm going to get what God has purposed for me. I need about 150 of y'all to jump up on your feet, throw your hands head back, reach way down and shout in here. I'm ready. What did I say to you? I tried to say to you, we got to stop following these false prophets and lying signs and wonders. I'm saying that we need to be discerning and we need to seek the true and the living God. What I'm saying is that we need to allow the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and that quickens us, that lives in us and makes us alive. We need to start acknowledging that that power is available to help you accomplish all that God has purposed you to accomplish. Some of you, you don't have vision, you don't have purpose. Some of you, you never thought you could become anything or do anything. If you knew the side of town that I was raised up in Jacksonville, Florida, many of you don't, don't know, your people look at you, I was not voted most likely to succeed. At 26 years old, I was an alcoholic. 
a coke head and a weed smoker. I smoked more weed than Carter got liver pills. Now, how many of you don't know what I'm talking about? Carter got liver pills. Carter liver pills are sold in bottles by the millions. And I was smoking more weed. The night I got saved, I had some weed in this hand, Jack Daniels in this hand, and Prince singing tonight, I'm going to party like it's 1999. And I said, God, if you're real, save me, help me, deliver me. My father died of cancer and cirrhosis of the liver. He drank and smoked himself to death. That spirit had passed down to me. But Galatians says, Cursed is he that hangeth on a tree. When Christ died, he broke that cycle in my life. Once I put my faith in him, I was delivered completely and totally and set free and never been back, never looked back, and don't want to go back. You heard the little boy from the village here in villages of Zimbabwe, now in Ukraine. You heard about the man that's from Denver, Colorado, that's now in Zimbabwe. And now you know that God can use anybody. And if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. How many of you want God to use you and to do something in and through your life, regardless of how big or how small, you just want to be in the number, a part of the team. You want to be in this army of the Lord. If that's you, stand on your feet. And I'm going to pray this prayer two minutes and we're done. If you want to be a part of this army, if you want the spirit of grace to be upon your life, if you want God to identify who you are and whose you are. Some of you I've watched grow over the years since I've been here. I see you go from jumping and shouting to ministering and on videos and doing stuff. It's just amazing. And some of you uh, have been around here. When I come back, I see you. I light up when I see you. I long to see you. You may not have a title. Nobody may not know who you are, but you know who you are, and you know when we connect, it'd be like, yo, what's up? It's good to see you again. How many you know that God, some kind of way, sometimes will send you candy and blow your kiss, give you flowers just to let you know you're not forgotten, that somebody loves you, and somebody who represents the kingdom loves you. And I want you to know we love you. And I want you to know Celebration Church and its churches love you. This is one big happy family. You are the army of God, and God's not finished with you yet. It's only just begun. You're ready to see the glory of God like you've never seen it before. Spirit of living God, I thank you tonight, this afternoon, for all that you're doing in the midst of this conference and in the lives of these people. Some of them are not sure. Father, will you give them the surety that those that you call, you empower, you enable. And if they'll say yes, like Isaiah, you'll send them. Thank you for covering. Thank you for connectedness. And thank you for this opportunity just to encourage these people to be ready and to go. So we love you. We honor you and appreciate you. And we speak life, health, strength, healing to the people of God. Help us to know that you're willing and available to do what we cannot do ourselves. Thank you for your grace and your anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. 
to be more than conquerors in this life. Thank you for the world to come. But in the meantime, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.